Hey y'all, I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 287. Y'all, we are trying a new system for recording because we got a new editor. We do. His name is Neil. He's married, ladies. I know y'all have already asked. <laughs> In our live on Patreon this week, but he's married. He's from Scotland and he lives in Vietnam. Yep. And his social security is, <laughs> just kidding, he doesn't have one. That's American. <laughs> so if you want to hit him up, uh, check him out. He is in the Facebook group. But it's N-I-A-L-L. He's very uh, bougie with his spelling <laughs> of Neil. So hit him up. He's in there. Something else that's new, my job. I have officially begun and my brain hurts. There's a lot of information, but it's been so fun. But there is one thing I have to tell y'all. So today I had a one-on-one with the IT person and just making sure I can get into everything, all all of that. Well, we have a 1Password account and he was like, you are in that, right? And I'm like, yeah, I signed up two days ago. He was like, well, like, just make sure you can get into it. And I was like, okay. And he was like, there's an extension you can put in Chrome. So like we were doing that and I forgot the password. <laughs> To the password thing. Like, cool. And so we had to do an IT ticket to get my password done. <laughs> I was like, this is my life. I don't know what password I used. I think I used, like, a Google strong password. Oh, fuck no. That is, like, literally the alphabet jumbled up with all the numbers jumbled up. Yes. And, oh, God. But I was like, how embarrassing. Password manager, I don't have the password, too. Wait, do people actually use those Google Strong passwords? I think so. Oh. Well, as long as it remembers it, but I would never. Yeah, me either. Obviously. It's been a while since you've had a full-time job. It has been, yeah. This is going to be a transition for you. It is. And then, like, just doing the podcast on top of it. Like, I was up at 6.30 today, started working at 7.30, went to bed at 12 last night. You're blinking at me, but you don't start work at 7.30. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You don't? Do you know what time I got to work this morning? Seven. Okay. Uh-huh. Because you get off early, ma'am. You're looking at me but, like... Okay, what time do you have to be at work? I have to be there at 10. Okay. I get off at 7. Mm-hmm. But I had to do work before then. So your story? Mm-hmm. And other things. Ma'am. But yes, I really do like it. And once I get a handle on, you know, all the information, because it's so abstract right now. Yeah. So it's hard to be like, okay, this is how this goes. One of the people that I started with, she was talking about that she liked Epic that y'all use in healthcare because she was like, you could have a playground when you're trying to learn about stuff. Because I was like, I'm so scared I'm going to fuck something up in there, like trying to understand to do these tests and stuff and so i was like yep i know about epic only because my friend yeah you know of course have to tell all your information you know literally everybody knows all my things it's fun mm-hmm. well congrats on the new job thank you welcome to full-time work again yes i know who it sucks hey you know who else we're welcoming patreoners Ooh. so thank you so much elizabeth y from kentucky morgan f from ohio bridget b from california Blah Blah, also known as Summer P from Washington. And, as we mentioned before, Neil M. from Vietnam. 
If you want a shout out just like these people, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. And something new we're doing. Part of the benefits of being on Patreon is that you get an extra episode a week. So right now we're doing I Survived that Donna sometimes switches it up between regular I Survived and paranormal I Survived. And then we Donna does the A Crime to Remember. And I've been doing Lady Killers. It was a book we were kind of going through where we talked about the Lady Killers in the book. But the book is over. So we have switched that now. And this is going to be kind of a long series. We're doing Murder by State, where we literally take the states in alphabetical order and go through a murder in each one. So next month, Alabama. Do you know the song, Alabama, Arkansas, but that's all I know. Yeah. You know the whole song? No. Oh, okay. Well, literally, you didn't even say the whole song. So, yes, I know the parts you said. Yeah, that's all I know. <laughs> Alabama, Arkansas, the expialidocious. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, Creep Mom recommended this show called Dear Child on Netflix. Y'all, is so good. Well, you have to get past the fact that it's in German, but they dub English over it so it's like not the words and the sounds are not like they don't match Mm -hmm. so you definitely have to get past that and I was like oh my god I would have rather it just been in German and we have to read you can change it to that well I mean goddamn (laughs) Colby probably won't let me (laughs) (laughs) so the premise of the show is that there are some people being held captive and they escape and that's really all we can tell you because um, there's only six episodes, and it's very good. I haven't finished it yet. I think we're on episode four, and I'm like, where is this going? Yeah, but, you know, Creep Mom did say that it wraps everything up. Because I was like, there's so many storylines mm-hmm. and everything. I'm only on episode three, I think. But I really like it. Colby's also watching this show called Your Honor on Netflix. No. Oh, what's it on? Showtime. Okay, just kidding. It's on Showtime, and it's got Brian Cranston in it, the guy from Breaking Bad. And I've seen, like, bits and pieces of it with him while, you know, while I'm doing, you know, Katie Crush or whatever. And it looks so good so far. Yeah, it's based in New Orleans. Yeah. And, like, he's a judge and gets kind of mixed in with some not-so-great stuff. I don't know. It's really good. Yeah. I think it's two seasons. I can't believe I had TV recommendations and Donna didn't. Well, I have The Dear Child, but that's that's about it. I've been going to sleep with, like, reruns of shows that yeah. I can just, you know, like... Mindlessly. Have, yeah, I have my eyes closed, but I can still see everything that's happening. Mm-hmm. I will say I love everyone who's in my little starter group. You know, that's all I've really had interaction with. But I love them. And I'm so happy, like, we all vibe together, and, like, today we were all struggling with the information, and we're like, Lord, you know, and, like, doing all these gifts and stuff, but we all, like, help each other. It's, you know, it's really good, and even, like, the people are like, we love that y'all are so, like, working as a team, like, this is what you need to do, Uh, but it's really hard leaving a job where you loved your coworkers, you know, and it's like, I miss them, you know, and I'm like, huh, I just want to talk to them and have that, even though I love these new people already, I'm so close to them. You know, it's easy to leave a job when you didn't get along with people or it was a bad situation, but it really wasn't a bad situation. Right. 
You just needed more hours and money. <laughs> You're gonna eat. <laughs> and you know I eat. I mean, there's only so many times you can do the damn dollar menu at McDonald's. Okay, there is no amount of, there, there's no limit. That is unlimited goodness, okay? Yeah, there's a limit. But I just have y'all know, I did not bring up McDonald's. I know, I know, I know. As soon as I said it, I said, God dang it, I brought it up. <laughs> All right, y'all. Lumi is clinically proven to control odor everywhere on your body, pits, privates, and beyond. And let me tell you, no one needs BO. And if y'all were with us on that Austin trip, you know it was hot and we were sweaty and all the things. But you know what I had on? Lumi. I had on the toasted coconut and I never felt terrible. Well, with Lumi, you can literally put it everywhere and it lasts for 72 hours. So Lumi was founded by Dr. Shannon Klingman. She was an OBGYN and she was like, look. Women are so concerned about the smell of their undercarriage. But she did some testing and she was like, y'all, the vagina is not the one to blame. It's bacteria that's on your skin. So that's how Lumi was created. It's a skin-safe, aluminum-free deodorant that actually works. And like we've said multiple times, it works everywhere. And look, there are 150,000 five-star reviews so you know it's true well there's actually over that amount so you really know it's true Mm -hmm. but also it's not just a deodorant stick you can get it with body wash lotion all of that and it's several different scents but i'm telling you the toasted coconut is the way to my heart the body wash that i have is a clean tangerine And y'all know, Donna and I are both extra-large pizzas, but we are very different in how we take care of our dough. You know, Donna hates baby powder. I love it. But Lumi works perfectly to keep that under-boob, belly roll, belly button, butt crack, feet, everything smell away. Did we mention you can literally put it anywhere? No more sticky feet. But here's the thing. Lumi doesn't just mask odor with fragrance it's formulated to stop odor before it even starts think like a pre-odorant and like carrie mentioned it is ph balanced so below the belt you're good and it works for men and women below the belt aluminum free baking soda free and paraben free if you're listening to this and you're thinking well this could be for me yes it could be okay And that's great because there's a starter pack. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, a cream tube deodorant, and two free products of your choice, like a mini body wash that Carrie mentioned and deodorant wipes. Which all of which we have. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, but here's the kicker. Free shipping. So if you want to control your body odor anywhere with Lumi deodorant and get 5% off your starter pack, That's over 40% off. You're going to use promo code CREEP at LumiPodcast.com. Again, that is promo code CREEP at LumiPodcast.com. L-U-M-E. Lumi. So don't forget, you're going to get $5 off your starter pack, which is over 40% savings. So head on over to LumiPodcast.com and use promo code CREEP. And you get free shipping. Y'all. 
We got Stitch Fix. I know a new sponsor. And y'all, I got my box and I kept almost all of it. I know. I loved all of it. There were a few that were just a little too tight on me. And that's okay because I got to give feedback on Mm -hmm. that. And you get to return those items free. What the heck are we talking about? Stitch Fix. Basically, you get your own fashion expert stylist. They shop for you. You don't have to go out because if you're like me, you sweat when you're trying on clothes. So you're a fashion expert based on some little information that you put in, like, you know, your body type, what your style is like. You pick a couple of outfits and you're like, I like this, don't like that. So they can kind of get an idea of what you like. And then your stylist puts a box together for you and they ship you clothes, shoes, accessories, all the things to spruce up your wardrobe. And then you try it on. If you like it, you keep it. You know how much it costs. And if you don't like it, they send you packaging and you ship it back to them. That simple. The thing is, we don't have a lot of plus size shops around here. And so I don't know a lot of brands other than a few big stores. And these were like new brands to me. So I love that. And it's so individualized. My box and Donna's box were completely different. And Stitch Fix goes for any size pizza. Extra small to 3X. And honestly, when me and Carrie both saw each other's things, we're like, yeah, that's so you. Yes. Like every single piece. I mean, you know, when we were growing up, we watched Clueless and we saw Cher do her whole closet. Well, I don't have that closet yet. But with Stitch Fix, I don't even have to do anything other than say, I want my box. Oh, but also because I was starting a new job, I needed something a little bit more business casual because I don't have any of that. And so I added that note and seriously, the fashion expert tailored that to what I had said. And the longer you're with Stitch Fix, Stitch Fix and their seasoned stylist experts are going to match you with greater precision and perfect pieces based on your likes and dislikes. So the more you do it and the more feedback you give them, the better your boxes are going to be. Y'all, I got a pair of jeans and I'm not even joking that I have not worn jeans since probably like the first three months that Colby and I were together because I gained weight and they didn't fit. And I just, jeans are so expensive that I was like, I'm not buying jeans. And it's hard to find the right fit. Well, I got a pair of jeans in my Stitch Fix box and Colby was so excited. He's like, try them on, try them on, try them on. And I put them on and they fit perfectly and they were so reasonably priced. Which was like the best part of it for me because clothes are expensive. And so you even get to manage that with your Stitch Fix box is like, how important is this to you? Like, so pricing, fit, brands, that kind of thing. And so they really are able to tailor this to you. And the clothes that you return, you can say it was too short. You know, the arms were too long. Anything like that. So they know more about that because, you know, I have short arms. And so the quarter length sleeves are just too long. They don't work for me. And so I was able to tell them that. And also, even if I like something and it was too expensive, I can say that was too expensive for me. So that gives them better criteria to meet next time. Absolutely. So Stitch Fix gets us and they're going to get you too. Try it today at stitchfix.com slash creep. And you're going to get 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. One of my favorite things, too, 
is that I was able to try my clothes on in front of my dog, Marley, and she gave me 10 out of 10 every time. I mean, because you know it was because they get you. They do. So if you want to have a fashion show for your dog or your pet, go to stitchfix.com slash creep. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-F-I-X dot com slash creep. And you'll get 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. Don't forget that stitchfix.com slash creep. Okay, so my story came from a recommendation in our Patreon-only Facebook group from Alexandria G. Okay, picture it. 1973 in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. There's a young girl named Sandra Chesky. And she's a 13-year-old 7th grader who had just moved to the area and was finding her new friend group. Now, this next part I'm going to tell you I want to say that I specifically heard this on a podcast called Most Notorious. It was episode 137 because this part was in a book by Phil Hammond. And so it came directly from him. So I just want to make sure that, you know, he gets credit for his work. So Sandra had started dating a guy named Roger Esman. Now, Sandra, like I said, was 13, but Roger was actually 17. Now, at first, when I was reading this story, I was like, the hell is a 17-year-old doing with a 13-year-old? Like, this is weird, right? But when I was listening to that podcast, because he actually knew the people in this story, and he said that Sandra looked 16, and she, which I, I see your face. I know that's not a reason I'm getting, because at first I was like, the fuck? And then I proceeded to listen. I was like, okay, I see what he's saying. So she looked 16, and... She and Roger met, like, in standing in line at a drive-in movie, like, at the concession stand, and they just started talking. He never asked her how old she was because he thought she was his age, and she specifically kept that a secret. So he never knew how old she was. Mm-hmm. I, I hear you, and I feel the uncomfortableness, but I promise it has nothing to do with the story. I'm just... I don't understand, like, how he couldn't figure that out. Like, she went to a different school than he did? She did. So, she lived in, like, the suburbs, like, a smaller area. So, she did go to a different school. Okay. So, it wasn't like they went to this small high school and she's like, yeah, I um, go to a different school when really she just goes to the middle school. Like, they lived, like, in the same town but different towns is kind of how I understand it. Okay. It's like a very small area where you have almost, like, a... You have like South Dakota and I don't know geography. A couple other states that are like right there. So you can go like 30 minutes and be in another state. Okay. So when this story takes place though, the two of them had not been dating for very long. And, you know, it's 1973. It's not like they were like constantly texting. It's like calling every so often on the phone. They saw each other just a couple of times. This is not like a long-term relationship when this story happens. So, on November 17th of 1973, Roger asked Sandra if she wanted to go out with some of his friends. Again, it's the 70s. There's not much to do. So, what they were going to do was just go hang out. They were going to go to a place called Gitchy Manitou. And it's like a, think like state park type thing. It was Roger and a few of his friends. And they were going to go. They had 
a little bit of pot. They were going to play guitar, sit by a bonfire, and have a good time. Were they going to sing Kumbaya? Probably not that, but maybe. Roger and his friend Stuart Bade and Stuart's little brother Dana, who was 14. So Stuart was 18. Dana was 14. There's a lot of names at first. I'm sorry, y'all. There was another 15-year-old named Mike Hadrath that was coming with all of them. Okay, so it was going to be Roger, Stuart, Dana, Mike, and Sandra. They were all going to get you Manitou. And like I said, Roger was like, Sandra, want to come? And she's like, sure, I don't really know where we're going, but sounds fun to me. All I keep thinking when you say that is, get you a man or two. Oh, all I was thinking is, get you, get you, yeah, yeah, da, da. Oh, Lord, you really do not know the lyrics. <laughs> so the group of teenagers get there, and they're riding in Stuart's van. They park a little ways because there's this stone area that's like, again, kind of like think Stonehenge, but like <laughs> State Park. So just outdoors? Yeah, but it's like stones. Okay. So that's where they were going to do, like, the little bonfire and hang out. Also, with, like, a van, it really is the 1970s. Absolutely. Like, those vibes all day long. It's giving me, what's that show you like that gives me, that movie that you like that makes my stomach hurt? Days and Confused vibes. Yeah. Oh, every time that girl would lay on her bed and zip her pants up, I was like, I'll never wear pants like that. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me you grew up fat without telling me. Okay. Well, now you don't have to because you have Stitch Fix. There you go. So the group is hanging out, sitting by the fire, got the guitar going, got the pot going, and they'd been there about 20 minutes. When all of a sudden, they start hearing sticks snapping in the woods surrounding them. Coyotes. Well, at first, they're they're like that. They're like, what the hell was that? And they're like, no, it's nothing. It's just the, the woods. Woods make noise, you know? And then they were like, well, maybe it's a bear. But they don't have bears around there, apparently. I learned that on that podcast. Again, I don't know geography, nor do I know the migration of bears. But they just kept trying to be like, well, maybe it was this. Well, maybe it was that. So they just kept going about their business, hanging out, you know, playing guitar, singing kubaya, all the things. Yeah, reasoning it away. When all of a sudden, they hear a gunshot. And Roger immediately falls. Oh, shit. So everyone is like what the hell is happening, like kind of falling and running and trying to figure out what's going on. And then Stuart and Mike were hit. And that's when everybody drops to the ground. And Stuart's like yelling that he's been shot and it hurts. At this point, Sandra decides to like play dead next to everybody that's been shot. So Sandra lays and tries to play dead, hoping that whatever is going on, she's going to survive. From there... Whoever was doing the firing, they had been on this ledge where they could see down. All of a sudden, the people who were on that ledge descend down to the area where the teens were hanging out. They start kicking them, laying down, and telling them to get up off the ground that they know that they're playing dead. Oh my gosh. So who was on that ledge? It was three brothers. They had been in the area trying in because you know it was like a state park they had been in the area trying to poach deer oh my gosh so they didn't find any deer so they were just kind of wandering around doing their thing when they heard the teenagers playing music smelled the pot and they developed a plan alan fry was the oldest brother 
And his younger brothers were James and David. So here's the really shitty part. So all three of them had criminal records. And James was actually currently incarcerated. However, he was in a work program where he was able to leave the prison during the day and have to return at night to be locked up. Oh, my God. Now, we still have that here. Really? Yeah. Somebody Colby knew. He got in trouble for, um, like, alcohol or something. And he'd be able to go to work during the week. And then he had to be locked up all weekend serving his time. That's so weird. Now, how long ago was that? Unsure. Is it for sure still a thing? Don't know. <laughs> I just think that's so freaking weird. Like, hey, you did a crime. We don't think you're going to be able to... Not do it on the weekends? Right. I don't know. So what happened was they got um, James out for the day to go to his job. But then they pretended that, like, one of the brothers called pretending to be his boss, being like, hey, we've got to keep him over tonight so that he could go with them to poach deer. So James should not even have been there. So Alan, James, and David, we hate them. They descend on the teenagers. And they tell the teenagers, like I said, they're kicking them. They're telling them to get, them, get up. They know that they're playing dead. And they tell them that they are police officers. And that, remember, they were smoking pot. And that they were busing them with narcotics. And they were all going to get in trouble. They shot them for no reason. Literally just for fun. Yeah. These are kids. It's the 70s. You know, if you if something like this happened to kids now, they would be like, what the fuck? Police don't do this. You know, whatever. Yeah. But in the 70s, who fucking knows? They didn't have social media and all that that kept people in the know. You know, if they didn't read the newspaper or watch the news, how the fuck were they supposed to know what, the, you know? So the brothers tell the teenagers to come with them. So they leave Roger at the site with the with the fire. And they're like, what about him? And they're like, oh, he's going to be all right. We just shot him with a tranquilizer gun. So they don't know that he's actually dead. Oh, my gosh. So the teenagers go with the brothers. I mean, Stewart got shot, and he knows he was shot. Right. I, I, I think, I, I don't know. I think it maybe is just because they're just trying to rationalize and, yeah. and survive that they're not thinking clearly. Yeah. Well, and I mean, they got caught, too. So it's like. They don't want to get in trouble. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I'm just thinking, like, I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. Well, but it's so weird, too, because, you know, as much as they believed them, the guys were dumb. Like, because they, they didn't have, like, handcuffs or anything like that. They didn't have on uniforms. But they kept explaining those things away to them. Being yeah. Like, yeah, we're undercover. Or, yeah, oh, we just forgot our handcuffs. You know, we're going to use this or whatever. Yeah. So they take the group up this path, and they're, you know... Stuart shot, and they're just trying to figure out what's going on and survive. So they end up getting to this truck, and they force Sandra to put her hands behind her back, and they tie her hands up. Again, remember how I was like, they say they didn't have the handcuffs, but they have this, and so just like, do what we say, you know, you're in trouble, you know, just kept telling them how in trouble they are, and instilling that fear in them well and how you said like today we're more brazen to be like 
prove to me that you're a cop. Right. You know, we have cell phones that we can take video. We can call 911. We can do these things that they didn't, they couldn't even dream of then. Right. I mean, they're essentially out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Well, there's studies that show, too, like, how different generations perceive different things. And this generation is still of the ones who respect authority because they're authority. Whereas the further you get out from boomers and Gen X, the further you get out, the more the generations feel like you have to earn respect, that you don't just get it for your position. So you have to remember, you've got to look at this from their lens. They still believe authority deserves respect just because they're authority. So if you say you're a police officer, even though you just literally came in guns blazing and shot us for no reason, we're still going to respect you and do what you say because we have to. We're supposed to. I mean, like I've said, that's my biggest fear being pulled over and not knowing if it's actually a cop or not because you're not going to be like, because you don't want to be disrespectful. You don't want to have that friction but also you want to be safe. Well, I know this sounds stupid, but let's just say you're getting pulled over for speeding. And it's like, if you don't immediately pull over because you're in a dark area and you want to get to a, a, a more lit location and you're like, okay, you put your flashers on, you do what you're supposed to. Well, they may already be like, well, she's going to take it now. Whereas you may have gotten out of it if you just pulled over before, you know, and I know that's so stupid. It's like your safety shouldn't matter over a speeding ticket, but you, it's what you think of. Yeah. And just like these kids, like they're in this situation. They're not thinking Anything other than we're in trouble. And yes, these police officers have busted a smoking pot. So what ends up happening is they put Sandra in the truck and she and Alan leave. And she turns around and she sees the others still with the other two, James and um, David, the Fry Boys. She sees, she sees Stuart, Dana, and Mike still with them. And she assumes that they're going to be taken like to the police station. But little does she know what law enforcement thinks happens is that the Fry brothers literally line them up and execute them all. Oh, my gosh. So the brothers had a plan to meet up at this farmhouse that was about 30 minutes to an hour away from where all of this went down. They are terrible. Like, doing something terrible anyway, poaching deer. But then... Don't have deer. What else can we get into? And they kill these people. Yes. When they all meet up at the farmhouse, Alan had been in the vehicle with Sandra this whole time. And he gets out and James gets in. No. And James does exactly what we think he's about to do. He rapes her. And I'm not going to go into details, but it was a very, it was a very aggressive and violent rape. So... After this happens, Alan gets back in the vehicle and the other two leave to take James back to prison. Oh my God. Because it's like wee hours of the morning at this point. He's got to get back. So those two leave and Alan is supposed to now kill Sandra. So when he gets back in the truck, he reaches back and like grabs this like axe handle and is like, okay, come with me into the barn or this like farmhouse. We've got to go kill some rodents or whatever and she gets out and she's walking with him and she's like whoa wait no and she like panics and runs back to the truck and is like absolutely not I'm not going in there I'm scared like I'm not going in there and she does that because she knows that if she goes in that barn he's going to kill her yeah and 
because she had just been through this brutal rape. Like things are kind of starting to, she, I mean, obviously she knows this is really not good and this is bad, but she still thinks they're police officers. So he sits there for a little while in the vehicle with her thinking about it. And she tells him, I was a virgin. And he's like, no, you weren't. And she's like, yes, I am. I'm only 13. And he seems a little shocked by this. And so he ends up telling her, fine, tell me where you live. I'll take you home. And he does. What? But he's like, hey, write your phone number down for me so we can do this again. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. He was like, don't tell anybody. We know where you live now. We'll come back and kill you. Tell no one. But like, can I get them digits? Oh my God. The fucking audacity. I know. Now this part, again, I got off of that podcast as well. I didn't see that anywhere else. But he talks about how when Sandra got home, she was like, fuck, what just happened? Like, I think her mom was a single mom and had to wake up at like six o'clock that morning to get up and go to work. And she got home at like 5 a.m. And so she was like, I don't know what to do. Mom's still asleep. She's got to go to work. What do I do? So she goes into her brother's room and tells him everything. She's like, I don't know what to do. Do police officers rape you? She says that to her brother, like, what do I do? And he's like, I think you need to go to the police. And she's like, they are the police. They did this to me. You know, she's terrified. And he's like, well, I think you should get a little sleep and we'll go to the police station from there. So she ends up dozing off and then her mom gets up and goes to work. So when she wakes back up, she's like still freaking out, obviously. And so she calls her friend and is like, what do I do? Tells her the whole thing. And her friend's like, we're going to the police station. So the friend comes over and the two hitchhike to the police station. Oh my gosh. <laughs> 1970s. Yes. And a, a woman picks them up and takes them to the police station. And she tells the police everything that had happened. Now, while the next morning, while all this is going on, some hikers find the bodies. But it takes them a while to find Roger because remember, he's still back at the original site. Now, to put the icing on the cake with this, this is an area that is usually patrolled by the sheriff quite often, but there was a really dense fog that night, and so the sheriff, like, couldn't get in, and so, like, there, so there should have been a sheriff's car driving by to even have run the teenagers off where none of this would have even happened. So when they get to the scene, though, they realize that the teens had been killed with three different rifles. So they knew that it's probably three different perpetrators. But unfortunately, when Sandra goes to the police station, they don't believe her. I knew you were about to say that, and I was like, you better not tell me that. She tells them the whole story. She says that Roger was shot with a tranquilizer gun. She says that they took her home. She did not even know that they were dead. The police are the ones that told her that... They had all died. She takes lie detectors. She passes them. They end up locking her in juvenile detention because even though some believe her, some don't, she's scared that, you know, they know where she lives. They said they're going to come back and kill her. So they put her in juvenile detention to keep her safe. Are you fucking kidding me? So like trauma on top of trauma on top of trauma. Yeah. The victim gets victimized again. Over and over and over again. Oh my gosh. She never received any counseling or anything for any of this. Sandra sat in that truck a long time from the time that 
they left the first crime scene and waited on the brothers to get there to that farmhouse. So she took it all in. She had amazing recall of the details of the truck. I mean, she knew there was a crack in the windshield. She knew the color. She knew there was a very specific spot where the inspection sticker was in the truck. So like, she had all of these details about the men and the truck. And so like there was like a gun rack, like all kinds of things. And so again, some people believed her and some people didn't. So what they would do is they would pick her up from the detention center and they would drive her around trying to figure out where that abandoned farm was. When they're doing those drive arounds, they literally stopped the car and they were like, we know you know who the guys are. Tell me who they are. What? Because what they thought was she knew who they were and she was an accomplice. And now she's like trying to get them in trouble and say she wasn't part of it. Oh my gosh. I mean, I get what they're thinking, but like, come on. Now, rumors are spreading big time, too. Like, people are treating her like shit. They say that it was like a drug deal gone bad. They say that she was a part of it. Or they'll say that she agreed to have sex with all of them to survive. Like, everything that they could possibly think to drag her name through the mud, they came up with. Wow. So, initially, you remember the older brother they all of them had nicknames like one of them was the boss one of them was hatchet face so the oldest alan known as the boss that's the one that let her go so one day they're driving around and she sees him and she's like oh my god that's him that that's the boss she didn't know their real names but she knew all of their nicknames and so they pulled him over and like description to a fucking t of this truck the gun rack the crack the inspection sticker everything to a t about this truck And, of course, he's like, I don't know what y'all are talking about. So they put him and his brothers in this lineup. And she's like, yep, that's boss man. That's hatchet face. That's the other one that has another stupid nickname. And and they end up arresting the brothers. David, one of the brothers. So he had a prior conviction arrest for shooting people out of the window of a moving vehicle. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they're really shitty. So David is the first to kind of be like, okay, okay, okay. And he takes a plea deal. And he has to tell everything. And he basically corroborates all of Sandra's story. Yeah, fuck the naysayers. Yes. So he gets life in prison. So now Alan and James, they're waiting to go to trial. Those two fucking escape from jail. Are you kidding me? So police officers are like stay at Sandra's house around the clock because they think that they're going to come after her. So she's got like pr- like a detail on her until eventually they are found. But not before they steal a car and actually hit a pedestrian in Wyoming. Are you fucking kidding me? No, and I I think the pedestrian like lived. God, I hope it so. Di- it didn't say that they died, and I feel like they would say that they died. So I think they were fine, but that like drew attention to their vehicle for people to be like, wait. And then that's kind of how they were found. Good. So they did go to trial, and there were times where Sandra was on the stand for over two hours at a time, and she's again like this thirteen year old girl. And that's part of why people had a hard time believing her because she was so just like factual and she didn't get upset like they thought a 13-year-old girl should. I mean, like air quotes around should because how can you even say that? 
But Sandra held her own. Alan Fry was convicted to four consecutive life sentences, and James got life in prison without the possibility of parole. And Sandra had a really hard time after this. She really kind of kept her head down, didn't talk to people, and it was years before she let anybody in about this. But eventually, the guy that I was telling you about before, Phil Hammond and Sandy Hammond, that's his wife. So Phil grew up in the area and knew, like, one of his good friends was one of the boys that died. And he actually wrote a book about it because Sandra reached out to him and was like, I'm ready to tell my story. So one of the things that people called her, they called her the Gitchy Girl, because remember it was Gitchy Manitou, and they called her the Gitchy Girl as like a derogatory name for her. But they wrote a book called Gitchy Girl Uncovered, the true story of a night of mass murder and the hunt for the deranged killers. So like I told you, they were on that podcast, Most Notorious. And then um, there was another article by Frank Weber that was like really good and had a lot of information that I used the most for these. But definitely check out that podcast and that book there because there's so much more to this story. I know we always say like crime is senseless like that and murder is, but that really was just, there's no reason for that. And like to know that he used to shoot people out of a moving car, like he is a terrible person. He doesn't care who he kills. He just wants to kill. I wonder what made Alan take her back home. I mean, I get maybe he was stunned at the 13, but did he think, like, he underestimated her, maybe? I think that her being like, no, I'm not going in there. And then that uh, author, Phil, kind of surmised, too, that he feels like maybe he really felt like, wait, I can, like, because he got her number and all, like, that he could manipulate her because she was that young that he was like wait I can actually manipulate her and develop this into a relationship because it's alleged that he was into younger girls like that and part of why people didn't believe her too was that they couldn't understand why only one of them raped her because in situations like that it's that's not usually the case yeah like Thankfully, that was the case for her. I mean, it's awful that she had to go through that at all. But, like, thankfully, it was just James. But, I mean, like, how can you not believe somebody because they just got raped one time? Like, fuck off. Are you kidding? Right. Well, before we go into any more of my story and get into Donna's, we got to talk about Gooder because they are back. And y'all know how much I love these dang sunglasses. Yes, just like Carrie said, Gooder makes $25 active sunglasses. They do not slip, they do not bounce, and they're 100% polarized. And we've said it so many times, I have a big noggin, Carrie doesn't, but we both could find Gooder sunglasses that fit our faces perfectly. Literally today at work, one of my coworkers was like, what's that code for your Gooder sunglasses? Because that's how good they were. She's like, I had a pair that was a different brand break, and I need some gooders. I'm like, yeah, you do, because they are inexpensive. They come with a one-year warranty, a 30-day free returns, 100% satisfaction guaranteed. And let me tell y'all, you're going to be satisfied. These sunglasses are so damn cute. They're cute. They're lightweight. They're comfortable. And they come in a great little bag. 
Love the bag. Carrie keeps hers in the case. She never does that. Well, I may have already scratched a pair of Colby's because I didn't, but I think I've told y'all that before. They're $25, so they are so reasonably priced. It's okay that I went Carrie on his sunglasses. I love how lightweight they are and that they don't slip. So when you are being more active, like you're at the pool or I've worn them golfing or anything like that, they're not going anywhere. Because you know, your girls are sweaty betties. And so if they are not sliding down my face when I'm pouring sweat on the golf course, they ain't going anywhere. They're not gooders. They're great. But everything about the company we love, they are a 100% carbon neutral company and they just have so much personality. I I love the names of their sunglasses. Like every single design has the cutest names. And they have something for everyone. They have more classic colors and styles. They have mirrored lenses. They have funky colors, bright colors. You know, everything you could ever want, Gooder has. And there's a Find My Frames quiz. So if you're not quite sure which one you want, well, you can do the little Find My Frame. And even better, you can put the sunglasses on your face on the website so you can be like, hey, does this look good on me? Let me find out. And if you have curly hair like Carrie, you know if you put your sunglasses like a headband, they usually get into your hair and they pull it. And that's Carrie's biggest pet peeve. Not the biggest, but it's up there, okay? But gooder sunglasses, they don't do that. They do not pull her hair. So if you want sunglasses with names like Nessie's Midnight Orgy, Never the Big Spoon, Breakfast Run to Tiffany's, And donkey goggles, y'all, this is the company for y'all. They are so cute, so adorable, so well-priced, and such a good product. So y'all got to get in on this action. You go to gooder.com slash creeps, notice it's plural, and use promo code creeps to get free shipping. And don't forget, that has a 30-day money-back guarantee with a 100% satisfaction guaranteed. So that's gooder, G-O-O-D-R dot com slash creeps with an S and use code creeps, that's plural, to get free shipping. You will not be disappointed in these glasses, but if you are, they have a 30-day money-back guarantee. Get in on these gooder sunglasses that are 100% polarized and very inexpensive. Go to gooder.com slash creeps with an S and use promo code creeps for free shipping. Y'all, we got a new sponsor, and it is Beam Dream Powder. And y'all know this girl loves to sleep. But did you know that getting crappy sleep can lead to weight gain, mood issues, poor mental health, and lower productivity? Yes, I did. Check, 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 and check, and check, and check, and check. But I didn't know that sleeping less than six to seven hours per night is linked to reduced white blood cell count. And y'all know we both already got shitty immune systems, so we need all the sleep we can get. Yes, we do. But sleep is so hard because our days are busy, you know, and if you have a mind like ours, that's the only cardio we do. Our mind is just running. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about Beam Dream Powder. Dream is super powerful and all natural. It's got reishi, magnesium, theanine, melatonin, nano CBD, and all of this is going to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. Now, they do also have a non-CBD option as well. So don't let that scare you if you haven't tried CBD before. They do have two options. 
But here's what I love. The flavor, hot cocoa. You can also get it in sea salt caramel, cinnamon cocoa. Ooh, but you can't wait to try that one. I can't. And chocolate peanut butter. Look, all you got to do, mix it in some hot water. Or if you really want to get it cocoa-y like we do, you're going to put it in some milk and enjoy it so you can get some sleepy time and, and whatever you need to do in your dream time. Whatever kind of dreams you want to be having. Sometimes you just need a little help going to sleep and you don't want to take a medicine. For so long, we've been taking like over-the-counter medicines that help you sleep that are actually for other things like antihistamine and all. And it's like you're taking medication you don't need just to go to sleep. Well, Beam has come in to save the day. You heard all those ingredients. I'm telling you, I drink that stuff and my eyes be crossing. In a good way because it hits her hard and she goes to sleep. And you know, Carrie does not want anything or anyone to fuck with her sleep. But who doesn't like hot cocoa? Especially in this fall season that we're coming up with. Uh Uh-huh. Nightly, let's take it. I cannot wait to try all the flavors, but I got the hot cocoa in. So if you're having trouble falling asleep, or you're waking up in the middle of the night, or you're just not feeling refreshed... Look, look no further because a beam dream powder is here to save the day. Also, a big thing is if you do take other medications, it can make you feel groggy the next day. And so you're like a zombie then, and then you just want to go to sleep, and then your sleep cycle's all messed up. But with beam dream powder, you don't have that groggy feeling the next day. You actually wake up, you're refreshed, and you're ready to go. Find out why Forbes and New York Times are talking about Beam and why it's trusted by the world's top athletes and business professionals. If you want to try Beam's top-selling dream powder and get up to 40% off for a limited time, you got to go to shopbeam.com slash creep and use promo code creep at checkout. Again, if you want to get up to 40% off for a limited time, go to shopbeam.com slash creep and use code creep at checkout. That's shop B-E-A-M.com slash creep. Use promo code creep for up to 40% off and a restful night's sleep. And y'all, Beam is a functional wellness brand that makes products for all day wellness and better sleep. So there are so many products that they offer. So head on over to shopbeam.com slash creep and use code creep at checkout for 40% off. And when you get it, we want those hot cocoa selfies. All right, picture it. Rockford, Alabama, 2012. The Scott family was starting a new chapter in their lives. Like so many of the people I covered, they think they're going to a dream home. It ends up being a nightmare. And yeah, that's their story. The husband, Hunter, he had found a job opportunity that was too good to pass up in Rockford. And so the family was going to move closer there. Now, they had previously lived in Auburn, and that's where Jenny was a journalist for the local paper. But now she was going to transition to be a stay-at-home mom and try her hand at becoming a blogger about their experiences moving from the city to the country. So one morning, the Scotts family's truck was packed to the brim, and all four of them loaded up. It was Hunter, Jenny, their daughter Grayson, and Betty Lou, the beloved family dog. If something happens to this fucking dog in this story, Donna, I swear to God. TBD. Now, just an aside for later, they both had kids from previous marriages, and they're both nine, 
Jenny has a son named Buddy, and then Hunter's daughter's name is Faith. So Jenny was nervous because she had always been a city girl, but now the paved roads have turned into dirt roads. But the house, when they got there, it was beautiful and it was big, and Jenny really couldn't believe that it was in their price range. She was so proud that Hunter had found this great deal, and he was starting his dream job, and she was determined to make this their dream house. But when they opened the front door, all of the previous owner's stuff was still in there. Uh Uh-oh. And then upstairs, there was this blue-colored paint everywhere. On the windows, on the light switches, seriously, everywhere. You know you wanted to say, to the windows, to the walls. Shit, no, I forgot all about my balls. I'm disappointed in you. I know, me too, actually. (laughs) But Hunter was just, like, being so positive, and he was, you know, just like, oh, the owners, they were just probably trying to liven the place up a little bit. You know, he was just like that optimistic person who didn't want to dwell on it. And Jenny didn't want Hunter to see how she was really feeling. You know, she didn't want to dampen the mood, really. You know, he was so gung-ho about this, and she wanted to be supportive. But the paint and everything was creepy to Jenny. He's being a positive Polly, and she's being Carrie. Mm-hmm. Now, if that didn't put them on edge, seeing all of that paint and everything... When they realized that all the mirrors were gone in the house, it just kind of struck them as odd, you know? Like, who takes all the mirrors? Or who comes in and only steals the mirrors because everything else was left there from the previous owners? So something didn't add up. And the more they explored, they found that on the ceiling, there was an attic door. But it had been duct taped shut and again painted that blue color. That is a huge red flag. (laughs) No, it's blue. (laughs) Touche. But, you know, they were kind of curious as to, like, what's going on. And so they ripped the stuff down and opened the attic to explore. Now, I know this is one of your stories, so I'm like, no. But also, I would have done the same damn thing. Right, yeah. It's your house. It's your domain. You can go in every, you know, every spot. But, like, knowing they probably trapped a demon up there. (laughs) Well, and Jenny, like, looked up there and she was like, oh, it's just, like, really dirty up here. Like, maybe they were just making sure no one used the attic, you know. And you just reason things away. Well, again, we know this is all leading somewhere. But for them, it was just odd things from the previous owners. And it was all cosmetic fixes. Nothing major. And Hunter was super excited for this new job. And so Jenny fit into her role as the supportive wife. You know, he had supported her for so long, she was happy to do the same for him now. It was just going to take some adjusting to their new lifestyle. One night, Hunter was working late, and Grayson had just been put to bed, so Jenny went outside just to enjoy her new scenery, you know, just trying to take it all in. But she didn't feel the calming feel that nature was supposed to give you. She felt strange. She felt like she was being watched. But she thought, okay, maybe it's the isolated rural life that was just getting to her a bit. So she decided just to turn in for the night too, but Betty Lou didn't want to go up the stairs with her. And so Jenny was like, okay, Miss Pris, like, I'll take you up. I'll carry you up. But once she put Betty Lou down, Betty Lou was like, toodaloo, and ran down the (laughs) stairs. 
she said that was the fastest she'd ever seen her run, but she was like, okay, she's just going to have to get used to the new house too. Like, no big deal. And we all know pets can be finicky. Yeah, but pets also see shit. Yes. But when Jenny was in bed that night, she heard something that sounded like a cat or a raccoon scurrying around. And she looked out the window just to see, like, what is that outside? If she was like me, she'd be like, oh, if it's a raccoon, I will feed it, put it on TikTok, all the things. But she didn't see anything. And they had motion sensors, and whatever was moving didn't set it off. So no lights were shined, so she couldn't see anything. Well, Jenny was like, okay, I can't see anything. She locked her windows and was like, you stay out there, have fun doing what you're doing, like whatever the fuck you are. So she went to bed and the next morning she told Hunter so he could check the sensors and see if the lights worked and, you know, just making sure. And they did. And of course, Hunter was like, it's an old house. It's settling. It's creaking. You know, the usual response. So Jenny did shrug it off. And she started to get the house fixed up for their other two kids that would be coming for the weekend to visit. And she wanted the place to be perfect and welcoming for Buddy and Faith. So she honestly didn't have a chance to settle down because she was like, work, work, work. Got to get their rooms, you know, fixed up, get that blue paint off the wall, all of that. Like, that's what she poured her concentration into. And Hunter was happier than a pig in mud because he felt accomplished He had a new job, a new house. His whole family was together now. And, you know, he just said, like, in his mind, he had made it. And Jenny was a proud wife and mama, too. So they were happy, and it started to finally feel like home. But that weekend that the kids had come, Buddy was acting a little strange at bath time. And Jenny was like, what the fuck? Because he loves bath time. But he just wasn't being his normal self. Well, when Jenny finally managed to get Buddy into the bathroom, he didn't even look at the water running or anything about the tub. He seemed to fixate on one spot in one of the mirrors that they had put up. Now, meanwhile, upstairs, Hunter is showing Faith her new bedroom. And again, he is so tickled that he is able to provide her her own room because she had always wanted that. And now at this house, you know, he was able to make his little girl's dreams come true. So they were just sitting on her new bed, admiring the room. He's, you know, just listing off all this stuff and just having that moment. And Hunter remembers that, that he was just so content in that moment because he was like, I'm racking up all the cool dad points right now. But they couldn't relish in that moment for long. Because all of a sudden, there were bugs everywhere in Faith's room. Like, instant infestation of them. And you know the kind of bugs I'm talking about. The kind that send shivers down my spine. Roaches. Yes, and I didn't want to say the word. I didn't even say the R word. I was like, I'm just going to say bugs. I'd say it. So she's screaming, just like I would be doing. Meanwhile, downstairs, Buddy starts screaming too. And he said he saw something in the mirror. And, I mean, he is, like, physically not okay, but he refused to tell Jenny exactly what he witnessed in that mirror. So, that was an eventful night, and luckily they were able to tackle that infestation, and, you know, Buddy ended up taking his bath, everything was okay. And, you know, the weekend went on like it normally would. 
Well, a few days after the kids had left back to their other homes, Jenny was just feeling defeated because the weekend wasn't perfect. And I think we all get like that. Like it, it, we have expectations. And if something just like deviates from it just a little bit, we feel like a failure. But she was like, okay, we are going to make this work. These strange things don't mean that this isn't where we need to be. You know, she was just thinking all the things, like trying to be positive. So she started thinking of things to keep herself busy. Because like I said, before she had focused on getting the house ready for the kids. And she was struggling because she was used to city life, the tempo of the city, not just being out where there's no neighbors inside. But while she was just thinking about all of this, her thoughts were interrupted because she felt someone was standing behind her. But she knew no one could be standing behind her. Hunter was at work and Grayson was napping. Well, when Jenny turned around, there was no one there. But she just could not shake that eerie feeling, even though she tried. But she was like, okay, let, like, let me go back to that. And she just tried to think of things she could do to pass the time. Like maybe start a garden, you know, some kind of new hobby. But again, for the second time, her thoughts were interrupted. But this time, it was from screaming loud music coming from the intercom system that they had in the house. You know, the kind that's like older, like the Brady Bunch had, I think. Well, normally she played classical music. So the house wasn't quiet, but the music was still soothing. But now this is blasting music she did not select. So she hurried to turn it off because, hello, Grayson's upstairs and she doesn't want her baby to be woken up. But no matter what Jenny did, she couldn't get the thing to turn off. So she called Hunter, freaking out, and he was like, just unplug it. So she like ripped the front off and pulled the wires, and that was the only thing that worked. But now, in that silence, Jenny heard someone walking upstairs, and it sounded like it was right above her. Meanwhile, Hunter is trying to be like, hey, are you there? Because there's just silence, because she's like honed in on the footsteps upstairs. And then the phone call dropped. So Jenny went into mama bear mode because if someone was upstairs, they could hurt Grayson. So she ran up there to check, but no one was there. And Grayson was still, thankfully, asleep. But then the creaking was still going. And then Jenny realized it was coming from down the hallway a bit. So she quietly went to check on what was making that sound. Now, she had like a knitting needle or something in her hand, you know, like, She was coming prepared because she really thought someone had broken in. But nothing was there. So she told Hunter what happened and she was like, this house is haunted. But Hunter tried to reason with Jenny, you know, and it ended up in a fight at that point. And Jenny just did not feel heard. And she said some things that she still wishes she didn't. And one of the things she yelled was that she gave up everything for him. And he wasn't listening to her, you know, and she said that like she still holds on to that and she wishes that would have never came out of her mouth because that's not what she meant. But in that moment, you know, that's what she was feeling. Um, Trust me, he holds on to it, too. Yeah. And that was their first big fight in that house. And it just felt like they were living two separate lives. You know, Hunter wasn't home like she was. He didn't feel the things she felt. He didn't hear all the weird sounds she did. And so he just couldn't wrap his mind around it, and he thought that 
Jenny wasn't given country life a chance. You know, she just had to get used to it and then she'd like it and it'd be great. I feel like that happens a lot in your stories where it's like, they move to this place, one person stays at home, does the housing, and the other one goes to work. And the one that stays home all the time is having all these experiences and the other person doesn't believe them. And it's like, well, you're not the one that's home literally having these experiences. They are. Yeah. And I wonder if that does have something to do with it. Like these people are going through a major life change usually. Like, you know, someone is staying home or they might have a new baby. So they move to a bigger house. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, when you have that energy that's already like elevated and it's frenzied, if something does prey on your energy, I feel like it's like a beacon to it then and it's going to attack. They say some of the biggest life things are, you know, move in, new job, that, you know, that sort of thing. And it's like, these people are going through all of those at once in these stories. So Jenny knew that she needed to talk to someone just to have some social interaction to keep the isolation at bay. So she invited her friend Kim Johnston over. Now, they hadn't seen each other in a while, and I don't think Kim had even met their daughter Grayson yet. But Jenny knew that Kim was someone who would listen to her and hear what she was experiencing and not judge her for it. So Kim was like, yeah, I'll come hang out, you know, whatevs. And Kim said when she got out of her car, instantly she felt something wasn't right about the house. And so she was looking up at it like we do, like you just come to this new house. You're going to just like try to take it in and upstairs in a window there was a shadowy figure but she knew no one was up there because we're not talking about the 1970s here we're talking about 2012 so she was like texted like hey I'm here and so you know that Jenny's going to be down there to open the door to introduce her daughter all of that now seeing that might have scared someone like me but Kim wasn't afraid of no ghost because she had actually founded Scare of Alabama with a friend of hers. It's spirit communication and research. So that's like in caps and then there's a little E. (laughs) Wasn't the name of the company from Casper that the dad founded something kind of like that? I have no idea. The only thing I remember about Casper is the uncles farted and Casper turned into a hottie. When Jenny showed Kim some pictures of the house pre-renovations, Kim stopped and was like, uh, that blue? And Jenny's like, why did they do that? Like, who does that? And Kim was like, that's called haint blue. What the hell does that mean? I've never heard of it. Yes, you have. Oh. Because it is a color that's used in voodoo to ward off evil spirits. And living in the South, unlike Carrie, everyone knows about it because people will paint the ceiling of their porch in it, especially in New Orleans. So Jenny's like, okay, so, hmm. And then word vomits everything that's happened while being there. And Kim was like, look, I'm going to help you. Because this isn't just old house shit. That's like what Hunter's saying. And I know what I saw upstairs in that window. Like, you got a ghost, girl. But there was still one non-believer, and that's Hunter. However, one night he came home from working late. And everyone was asleep, so he stayed downstairs just to watch some TV, you know, relax, unwind, and then kind of get ready for bed because he didn't have Beam's dream powder. 
while he's watching TV, he hears Jenny call his name, but she sounded kind of close. And he was like, hey, what do you need? Like, why is she calling out to him like that? Because she should be asleep, you know? But when he went upstairs, Jenny was still asleep. So he shook her awake and was like, hey, what's going on? Why did you holler at me? And she's like, why did you wake me up? I didn't holler. And, you know, Hunter was just like, she's fucking with me because I don't believe her about this or something. Like, I don't know what she's doing, but like, that was her. And that would have been fine if that was the end of it because Hunter went back down. He was like, okay, I'm going to watch TV. And he heard something scurrying around. And he's like, what the fuck is that? Can't be a ghost. Can't be any of this. It has to be something, like I said, a cat, a raccoon, anything like that. But when he looked, he swore he saw a shadow or something out of the corner of his eye. But every time he looked that way, nothing was there. But Hunter was set on this being their dream home and everything working out. So he did not tell Jenny about this incident. He just was like, I was tired, whatever, you know, everything's fine. We're all fine. A fucking course he did. Like, okay, the house, maybe it's not haunted. Y'all know how I am. But like, she's telling you what she's experiencing. And you told her she was lying, not lying, but you told her you didn't believe her. And then you experience it, and then you keep it to yourself because you don't want her to be proved right. Fuck off. I actually like Hunter, and I don't think he was meaning it to be that way. (laughs) So I just want you to know that I I liked him. I thought he just seemed like a really nice dad. Yeah, well, you can be a nice dad and be a shit husband. That's true. I wouldn't know because I don't have a husband. Well, I wouldn't know. I don't have kids. (laughs) So after Kim's initial visit... She came back and they went to the courthouse to see what they could find about the house and stuff. Because the big thing about Kim is that she researches. Like, she's basically like an investigative historian type of thing. And however Carrie always says it, they hit pay dirt. Joe Kenda taught me that. (laughs) So they found in the 1940s, the Maxwell family owned the property. Now, at first... They didn't know what the significance of that was. But like I said, Kim was an avid researcher and she was like, oh yeah, let's keep digging. So what they found was that William Maxwell was a local preacher back in the 1970s, which is weird that yours happened in the 1970s. He actually preached at a church right down from their house. Now the thing about William Maxwell is that he was linked to a lot of mysterious and suspicious deaths in the area. Ooh, sketch. Uh-huh. And it was a total of five people who died. Here's another kicker. They were all family of his. But, I mean, okay, so that is suspicious, but, you know, I mean, come on. Could have been a coincidence, right? But the fact that he had taken out life insurance on each one of them, hella strange. Like, that's too much of a coincidence. Yeah. I mean, and how much was the life insurance, I wonder? Well, fuck if I know. (laughs) I don't know that. However, the police were never really able to question William Maxwell about this because at the funeral of his last victim, which I believe was his 16-year-old stepdaughter, her uncle shot William. And William died from that gunshot. Oh, shit. Yeah, so that's a lot to take in. But Jenny and Kim just kept digging, and then they found that William was called 
the voodoo preacher, by the locals. And remember how Kim had told Jenny that the blue paint was haint blue and it was used in voodoo? So, like, things were coming together. It's like when you squint really hard at the magic eye and you start to kind of see the picture. The magic eye, literally everything. (laughs) Well, you need glasses. So while they're researching, they see that this actually made headline news nationally. And it even had Harper Lee, the author of To Kill a Mockingbird, intrigued. She came to Rockford. I mean, she's an Alabama native, but like she came to Rockford to figure this out, investigate it, and write a story about it, like write a book about that true crime. But it was never, it never like came to fruition, and I'm not sure about that. Later that day, Jenny was trying to push what she had learned to the back of her mind and just get on with life in the house. Like, that's really strange. There's kind of a dink there, but there's nothing like solid that they can take from that. But when she was doing some chores, Grayson was asleep and she heard the phone. So she's like, the only person who would call me during the day would be Hunter if he needed something. And, you know, since she had been on edge, she didn't want to not answer it and him think something was wrong, rush home, you know, whatever. So she went to answer the phone, but she suddenly had that feeling again of someone behind her. She turned, no one was there. And then she kind of looked around, but she was like, no, I've got to answer the phone. So she was at the top of the stairs. And before she could get to the bottom, Betty Lou started growling because Betty was at the bottom of the stairs. And there's a lot of names here. So if you don't remember, Betty Lou is the dog. And she's like, Betty Lou, hush up. Like, I'm coming. Because if Betty Lou's anything like Marley, like, she doesn't like the alarm to go off or anything. She starts barking or whining. And I'm like, okay, I need to hit snooze five times. I'm sorry. But before Jenny could take a step down the stairs, she felt like something pushed her from the back of the stairs. And she took a tumble. Luckily, she didn't break anything when she fell. But Jenny looked back up the stairs and she said that she saw something And so, like, she was done. So, Hunter came home, found Jenny upset on the couch. And, you know, she was, at this point, bawling. And he was like, okay, when the lease is up, we will leave this house. Like, you're right. It's not worth it. You know, we can find somewhere else to live. Like, I want us to be a family together. So, the countdown began. Four more weeks in this hell house. So Jenny wanted to know what she was up against while they waited there. You know, they're just stuck. So she researched voodoo some more because she didn't know anything about it. And a lot of weird things like the mirrors were connected to voodoo beliefs. And that reminds me that we just watched Skeleton Key at our Sunday night watch party. And I forgot how damn good that movie was. But in that movie, the mirrors are mentioned and everything. So if you haven't watched that, it's on Peacock. Like, highly recommend. Love it. And also, if you haven't heard about our watch parties, recommend them on Sunday, too. They're free. Yep, and we post it on Instagram, too. Okay, sorry for that little break. But seriously, I love the watch parties. Okay, but the thing that made Jenny clutch her pearls, scream Eureka at the same time, is when she came across some information about something they call the boo hag. 
And it's thought to be an evil spirit that basically sucks your energy and life form from you as you sleep. But here's the thing. When it retreats to its hiding place, it's usually the attic. And she's like, they had that fucking duct taped clothes like they were trying to keep something in. I was thinking keep something out. No, they were keeping something up there in that attic. And she was like, I just fucking woke this thing up. So she's researching, and this is the part I'm going to put a content warning in. Skip 30 seconds or maybe 60 seconds because Betty Lou gets harmed. God damn it, Donna. I know. And Look, I didn't know until I was like way into this. Another little plug for the watch parties, Creep Mom does search doesadogdie.com, and so we don't have to have this kind of reaction. She She lets us know. So while... Jenny is researching this. She kind of looks for Betty Lou because she couldn't find her. And so she was like, huh, I thought I heard her, but I can't find her. And so she kind of like goes outside and she calls her name, but it's dark and she doesn't want to go all out on the property. And I mean, she has Grayson inside asleep and she is scared of the house. So it's like, yes, she wants Betty Lou to be found, but also She can't leave Grayson in there being vulnerable. Yeah, she's damned if she does, damned if she doesn't. Exactly. Why'd you have to church it up? It's don't. (laughs) Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, okay. Sorry, I had had to like say it so I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, she's right. (laughs) So Jenny was like, you know what? She's probably fine. She probably just like caught a trail of something and, you know, she's over there doing dog shit. (laughs) You know what I mean? Whatever. So she resumed researching, and she waited for Hunter to get home. Anyway, she waited for him to get home so he could go look, and he did. And he was walking around, and then he found Betty Lou in the yard. And I got to tell you this part, but her body was, like, ripped apart. And when he looked, he could see that her heart and some other organs were removed. So Hunter did not really tell Jenny about how he found Betty Lou, he just said that, you know, it it was really bad. But they were like, we haven't had any, like, stray animals or anything. So, like, what's going on? How did this happen? And then when she finally found out what he had seen, she was like, that sounds like a voodoo sacrifice I literally just read about. And so she's like, wait. Did something happen to Betty Lou? Is something like with this house, did it attack her? And this was devastating to them because Betty Lou was like a family member, just like our dogs are to us. So that night, Jenny could not sleep. And when she was just trying to ease her mind to go to bed, whatever Carrie said that she does from TikTok, like, don't go to sleep, don't go to sleep, don't go to sleep. Basically, that's probably what she was doing. She heard that damn scurrying sound again. So she kind of looked again because it's just habit. You hear something, you're going to look that direction. And when she looked to see what was making that sound, she was suddenly paralyzed. And she felt just like her energy draining, you know. And when she looked up, she saw a shadow on top of her. And she was sure it was that boo hag she had read about. But Mama Bear Mode kicked back in because she heard like a disembodied voice from that shadow warn her that her daughter was going to be next. And so Jenny was like, fuck that. 
and she was able to free herself and she ran to protect her daughter. But when she got to Grayson, she was crying and there was claw marks on her neck, like scratches. And that was it. Jenny was like, no more. So she like, you know, cuddled her sweet daughter through the night. And the next morning, the Scott family left that house and never looked back. This story was on Paranormal Witness Season 5, Episode 1. But there's also two books that Jenny and Kim co-authored about their experience. And also they went and researched more about the voodoo preacher and all of that. So it's called Haint Blue, The Rockford Haunting, Part 1 and Part 2. Now, luckily for them, they were just renting the house. So, like, seriously, the lease, like, they only had a few weeks left anyway, so they weren't penalized that much. Because normally, you know, people have bought the house, and so they're really stuck. And this, like, at least worked in their favor that they had rented it. Well, before we talk about the Scott family anymore, we got to talk to y'all about HelloFresh. They're back. Y'all know how much we love HelloFresh. We've been HelloFresh customers long before this podcast, and you should be too. Who doesn't like delicious food delivered to your door? And seriously, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes, and you don't have to go to the grocery store. That right there alone makes HelloFresh freaking worth it. And I mean, that's literally why it's America's number one meal kit. They do the hard part, you get all the credit. You're so right, because the hardest part for me about cooking and eating at home is figuring out what to eat. And they literally go, here's what you're eating this week. Do you want this? Yes or no. And you can change it if what they had pick is not something that you want, but it completely takes the guesswork out. Yeah, and my problem is I'll write down something that I want, get to the grocery store, and I'll forget an ingredient. And then I don't want to go back. So then that food just goes to waste. That's a true story. HelloFresh takes the stress out of mealtime because it's less planning, shopping, and cooking for the family. So you have more time with them. And look, we're coming into a new season, so a new season calls for new meals. And they have got a fresh fall lineup of delicious dinners and way more to choose from. And we've talked before, Carrie gets a quick and easy. I get the vegetarian because I have an aversion to uncooked meat. And so if you're like me and you are a complete novice and you have weird food issues, if I can do it, you can do it. We can do it together. She's not wrong because the girl cannot cook, but she can do HelloFresh. Because they give you the step-by-step instructions and the finished product, what it's supposed to look like. I'm a visual learner. Same girl. But also now, they don't just have dinner. Because it was like, oh yeah, dinner, it's taken care of. But what about breakfast or snacks? Uh, They have them now. They've got you covered. Look, we've all been hearing about girl dinner on TikTok. You don't have to have that hodgepodge of dinner anymore. With HelloFresh, you are getting to choose from over 40 different meals every week to fit exactly what you and your family's needs are. So if you want to get in on this fresh food delivered straight to your house, you got to go to HelloFresh.com slash 50creep and use code 50creep for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. That is a whole lot of savings. 
a whole lot of good, good going in your belly, go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Creep, 50Creep, and use code 50Creep for 50% off plus 15 off for the next two months. That's HelloFresh.com slash 50Creep and use code 50Creep for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. Like Donna said, you don't want to miss out on this good good. So I didn't go into a lot of the voodoo preacher thing because I felt like that might be something that you could cover or I don't know, like it just seemed more true crime and I was running out of time. (laughs) But seriously, um, they really couldn't link everything to the preacher, but you know what happens like, there's always that one person, you know, like where there's smoke, there's fire. So if they're finding all this stuff about this guy, I mean, yeah. And I mean, it didn't come as a shock to anyone because like I said, the locals called him the voodoo preacher, but then the whole having the insurance on him, and then the audacity to go to their funerals, you know, the, the amount of audacity that people have, I literally saw a TikTok today where a guy was at trial for stealing a Dolphins football jersey wearing a Dolphins football jersey. What the fuck? Like, they were like, Mr. So-and-so, you're he- you know, here, blah, blah, blah. Okay, you're here for the charge of theft of a Dolphins yeah, football jersey. And she went, huh. When she saw it. <laughs> People do shit. That they do. Luckily, this story didn't get too scary, but I mean, like, all of that wouldn't want that to happen to me, but we all know the part. That was the worst. That business with the dog, it it was too much. I, like, I don't even want to hear it. I know. I know. I know. I know. I was like, oh, Betty Lou, such a cute name. And then I wanted to cry. As soon as you said a dog, I was like, if she's talking about it, this ain't good. I know. There really is a website called Does the Dog Die? And you could put in a movie and it will tell you if the dog dies in it so you can avoid it. I know. I just said that. No, I know. But I'm like telling them. Oh, okay. It really is a thing. Oh, trust her. Don't trust me. Well, you know, I just know things. Uh, (laughs) Oh, okay. Not lyrics. Just right off the top of the noggin. Tell you you things. I've literally, you have changed every fucking saying. (laughs) Like, off the dome is what people say. (laughs) Trust her, though. But I'll tell you what you do trust. If there is an attic and it's duct taped, just leave it. Just don't touch it. But you remember when I moved into this house, though? Remember what I found under the, Uh, uh, what was it called? Sink? (laughs) Yeah. Y'all, this lack of word finding is getting concerning. What was it? It was baby shoes. Yeah. And we were like, why the fuck are baby shoes? Old baby shoes in this relatively freshly remodeled house like Mm -hmm. why are there 1937 baby shoes under the sink and she threw them away i did because i was like oh huh throw that away and now she has a haunted hallway i don't we we, there's somewhere there's a picture of me holding it we took a picture we probably deleted it because we got new phones and no storage but (laughs) i would have been that exact same way i've been like god dang why they got that attic taped up let me just pull that down what's up in there yeah well i wouldn't have i'd been like carrie 
You and Colby come over yeah, here. Can you come on tape my attic, please? Thank you. <laughs> but I mean, you're right. Like she was just trying to make it more homey, you know. And what's the first thing I did to this house too? They had a terrible blue painted here. I was like, oh, cover that shit up. <laughs> painted that blue. You're what right. if it was uh, hate hot blue? blue? What is it called? Hate. What if it was hate blue? Well, I'm glad I went second this time because your story was really. All I'm going to say is the dog. You're right on that. You're right on that. No, my story was pretty freaking terrible. Like, thank you for the recommendation. It was a very interesting story. It was a good story, but it was fucking terrible. Well, and it just highlights that, you know, we have to listen to victims. And Mm -hmm. we can't say, like, we're going to keep you in juvenile detention for your safety. Like, if that was the case, pay for a hotel. Right. Make them stay with family because they don't know they don't know your family and all. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you're like, yeah, those weren't cops that did that to you. Well, and two, it says so much about her and the way that she was raised too. Because, like I said, I'm I'm ninety seven percent sure she had a single mom that was working, trying to make ends meet. Like she was like, I can't bother her. She's got to go to work. Like you know, she just internalized all that trauma for so long too. Even after. Everything was said and done. They were found guilty. It was, she had nothing to do with it. It was proven she had nothing to do with it. People still didn't believe her. And she just lived this, like, life in shame where it was 25 plus years before she eventually was like, you know what, I'm going to tell my side of the story. Yeah. And that's what's so terrible about people putting out information before it's really verified because that completely ruined her reputation you know when people form opinions it hardly ever changes because they're like well that could be wrong she did have something to do with it and also if you're thinking about that time where you're saying they respect authority if the police have her in custody and they're not believing her then why would we like obviously the police knew something that they didn't know right well because the The innocent until proven guilty is not a thing because people assume if the police have enough to make an arrest, you're guilty. Yeah. Period. And that's just not always the case. And I mean, it's hard because I do that too. Yeah. Well, y'all let us know what you think about these two cases. They were doozies. They were. Thank y'all so much for making recommendations and listening and supporting us. It means the world to us. But more importantly, remember. Creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.